Since the first scriptures given to Moses were penned, there was always a group of the faithful who were classified by the term sola scriptura. It's a Latin phrase meaning scriptures alone. Deuteronomy 4, 1 and 2. Now therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you, for to do them that ye may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers giveth you. Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. The New Testament born-again believer is given the same commandment in Revelation twenty-two, eighteen and 19. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life, and out of the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book." When one considers that Revelation 19.13 declares of Christ, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God, then the principle of sola scriptura should be clear. The absoluteness of sola scriptura is foundational to childlike faith, and childlike faith reigns supreme over all the dogmas of men and of devils. It is the anchor of the soul. Childlike faith is the standard of commerce in the kingdom of God. Without it, we are bereft of any good thing. Are you born again? Are you ready to have your feet set upon the sure foundation of truth that never changes? Are you ready to be set free from your own lust and bondages, even free of the sin and shame? Make the decision today that changes everything. As the mighty prophet Elijah said to backslidden Israel, how long halt ye between two opinions? Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Exodus 20, verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. God said, Genesis 1.31, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. God said, Psalms 19.9, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Man said, according to evolutionist biologist Ernst Meyer, No educated person any longer questions the validity of the so-called theory of evolution, which we now know to be a simple fact. Man said the earth and its universe are billions of years old, and it exploded into existence out of nothing, the ultimate free lunch, and no real scientist believes in the Bible's account of a six-day creation just over 6,000 years ago. Now the record. The camp of atheism evolution was recently dwelt, uh, dealt another blow when one of their own decided to challenge the sacred paradigm. Several paragraphs from Christian News Network follow. In a book to be officially released nationwide today, a prestigious mathematician is arguing that science does not disprove the existence of God. Dr. Amir Azal is a well-known mathematician with a Ph.D. in statistics from the University of Oregon. 
from 2005 to 2007. Asael was a visiting scholar at Harvard University, and he is now a research fellow at Boston University. Asael is also a prolific author, writing regularly for Discover Magazine, The New York Times, and The Wall Street Journal. Publishers Weekly describes him as one of the best science popularizers. Though Azel has written about various philosophical topics in the past, he has not focused much attention on the debate over God's existence. However, that has changed. As Azel now says, atheist, anti-God arguments are fundamentally flawed. Azel outlines his position in a book to be released this week, titled, Why Science Does Not Disprove God. In the writing of his book, Azel interviewed 11 Nobel Prize winners, and many other biologists, physiologists, physicists, and anthropologists, as well as several leading theologians and religious leaders. Assel also points out various references to God made by famous scientists, including Einstein. Everyone who is seriously interested in the pursuit of science, Einstein once wrote, becomes convinced that some spirit is manifest in the laws of the universe, one that is vastly superior to that of man, end of quote. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature article 688, which will once again prove the inerrancy of God's Holy Bible. All of these features are archived on God Said, Man Said in text and streaming audio for the edification of the faithful and as bait for the fishers of men. Every Thursday evening, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for coming. May God's face shine upon you with light and truth. God's Word is the beautiful living truth. Those who bow their ears down low to receive it find life and find it more abundantly. Several foundational paragraphs from the God Said, Man Said feature, 50 Scientists Speak, follow. Most of the purported leadership of Christendom have long left the plain reading of the inerrant scriptures found in the majority text and have served their congregations the doctrines of what-if and but-if but what if and but if just won't do. These doctors of unbelief are described by Jesus Christ as wolves in sheep's clothing. They are the sowers of doubt. To be robbed of childlike faith is to be robbed of the most valuable possession, valuable possession pardon me, in the universe. We protect our homes, our cars, identity, and more. These are all temporary things. In childlike faith dwells the beauty and the glory of God, even eternal life, and this needs to be protected. Embrace the book. God's Word, written thousands of years ago, never changes. That is the very nature of real truth. No matter how pseudoscience wrangles, the earth is still 6,000 years old, and it was still created by God in six literal 24-hour days, and of course, this is the truth. It's not just the general uneducated population having problems with evolution. The following passage is from Lee Strobel's book, The Case for a Creator. There were 100 of them. Biologists, chemists, zoologists, physicists, anthropologists, molecular and cell biologists, bioengineers, organic chemists, geologists, astrophysicists, and other scientists. Their doctorates came from such prestigious universities as Cambridge, Stanford, Cornell, Yale, Rutgers, Chicago, Princeton, Purdue, Duke, Michigan, Syracuse, Temple, and Berkeley. 
They included professors from Yale Graduate School, the Massachusetts Institutes of Technology, Tulane, Rice, Emory, George Mason, Lehigh, and the Universities of California, Washington, Texas, Florida, North Carolina, Wisconsin, Ohio, Nebraska, Missouri, Iowa, Georgia, New Mexico, Utah, Pennsylvania, and elsewhere. Among them were the directors of the Center for Computational Quantum Chemistry and scientists at the Plasma Physics Lab at Princeton, the National Museum of Natural History at the Smithsonian Institute, the Los Alamos National Laboratory, and the Lawrence Livermore Laboratories. And they wanted the world to know one thing. They are skeptical. After spokespersons for the public broadcasting system's seven-part television series, Evolution, asserted that all known scientific evidence supports Darwinian evolution, as does virtually every reputable scientist in the world, these professors, laboratory researchers, and other scientists published a two-page advertisement in a national magazine under the banner, A Scientific Descent from Darwinism. Their statement was direct and defiant. We are skeptical of claims of the ability of random mutation and natural selection to account for the complexity of life, they said. Careful examination of the evidence for Darwinian theory should be encouraged. They were not narrow-minded fundamentalists or rabid religious fanatics, just respected world-class scientists like Nobel nominee Henry F. Schaefer, the third most cited chemist in the world, James Tower of Rice University's Center for Nanoscale Science and Technology, and Fred Figworth, Professor of Cellular Molecular Psych- Physiology excuse me, at Yale Graduate School. Together, despite the specter of professional persecution, they broached the politically incorrect opinion that the emperor of evolution has no clothes, end of quote. As Science Digest reported, scientists who utterly reject evolution may be one of the fastest-growing controversial minorities. Many of the scientists supporting this position hold impressive credentials in science, end of quote. The book is titled In Six Days, with the subhead, Why 50 Scientists Choose to Believe in Creation, and it was edited by John F. Ashton, Ph.D., Several features on God Said, Man Said reference his work, and the preface Ashton writes. At a university lecture several years ago, I heard a research scientist state that he did not believe that any scientist with a Ph.D. would advocate a literal interpretation of the six days of creation. His comment was quite similar to statements made over the years by world-renowned scientists like Stephen Jay Gould and Ernst Mayer, both of Harvard. In reply to the lecturer's doubt about credentialed scientists agreeing with the Genesis account of origins, the meeting chairman offered the names of two well-known scientists who, he said, espoused belief in the biblical account. This incident stimulated me to research this book. However, my experience in organizing this book is that there are a growing number of highly educated, critically thinking scientists who have serious doubts about evidence for Darwinian evolution and who have chosen to believe in the Bible version of creation. In this book, 50 scientists explain their reasons for their choice. All the contributors have an earned doctorate from a state-recognized university in Australia, the United States, the United Kingdom, Canada, South Africa, or Germany. 
They include university professors and researchers, geologists, zoologists, biologists, botanists, physicists, chemists, mathematicians, medical researchers, and engineers. The articles in this book are not exhaustive. Space and publishing deadlines did not permit me to include contributions from many other scientists. The 50 scientists who contributed to this effort gave their personal response to the question, Why do you believe in a literal six-day biblical creation as the or, uh, for the origin of life on earth? No other requirements were specified. End of quote. Excerpts from Dr. Ashton's work highlighting the words of highly accomplished scientists follow. Note as you read the doctor's words, keep in mind that the Bible declares that all things have been spoken into existence out of the invisible by God's word. All that you see and touch is a product of literal words. John A. Baumgartner, geophysicist. Dr. Baumgartner is a technical staff member in the Theoretical Division of Los Alamos National Laboratory. He holds a B.S. in Electrical Engineering from Texas Tech University, an M.S. in Electrical Engineering from Princeton University, and an M.S. and Ph.D. in Geophysics and Space Physics from UCLA. Dr. Baumgartner is the chief developer of the Terra Code, a 3D finite element program for remodeling, pardon me, for modeling the Earth's mantle and lithosphere. His current research is in the area of planetary mantle dynamics and the development of efficient hydrodynamic methods for supercomputers. Dr. Baumgartner writes, Just how do coded language structures arise? One of the most dramatic discoveries in biology in the 20th century is that living organisms are realizations of coded language structures. All the detailed chemical and structural complexity associated with the metabolism, repair, a specialized function, and reproduction of each living cell is a realization of the coded algorithms stored in its DNA. A paramount issue, therefore, is how do such extremely large language structures arise? The origin of such structures is, of course, the central issue of the origin of life question. The simplest bacteria have genomes consisting of roughly a million codons. Each codon, or genetic word, consists of three letters from the four-letter genetic alphabet. Do coded algorithms which are a million words in length, arise spontaneously by any known naturalistic process? Is there anything in the laws of physics that suggests how such structures might arise in a spontaneous fashion? The honest answer is simple. What we presently understand from thermodynamics and information theory argues persuasively that they do not and cannot. Language involves a symbolic code, a vocabulary, and a set of grammatical rules to relay or record thoughts. Many of us spend most of our waking hours generating, processing, or disseminating linguistic data. Seldom do we reflect on the fact that language structures are clear manifestations of non-material reality. This conclusion may be reached by observing that the linguistic information itself is independent of its material carrier. 
The meaning or message does not depend on whether it is represented as sound waves in the air, or as ink patterns of paper, or as alignment of magnetic domains on a floppy disk, or as voltage patterns in a transistor network. The message that the person has won the $100 million lottery is the same whether that person receives the information by someone speaking at his door or by telephone or by mail or on television or over the Internet. Indeed, Einstein pointed to the nature and origin or symbolic information as one of the profound questions about the world as we know it. He could identify no means by which matter could bestow meaning to symbols. The clear implication is that symbolic information or language represents a category of reality distinct from matter and energy. Linguistics today, therefore, speak of this gap between matter and meaning-bearing symbols uh, sets as the Einstein gulf. Today, in this information age, there is no debate that linguistic information is objectively real. With only a moment's reflection, we can conclude that its reality is qualitatively different from the matter-energy substrate on which the linguistic information rides. The implications are immediate for the issue of evolution. The evolutionary assumption that the exceedingly complex linguistic structures which comprise the construction blueprints and operating manuals for all the complicated chemical nanomachinery and sophisticated feedback control mechanisms and even the simplest living organism that these structures must have a materialistic explanation is fundamentally wrong. But how then? Does one account for symbolic language as the crucial ingredient from which all living organisms develop and function and manifest such amazing capabilities? The answer should be obvious. An intelligent creator is unmistakably required. Despite all the millions of pages of evolutionist publications, from journal articles to textbooks to popular magazine stories, which assume and imply that material processes are entirely adequate to accomplish macroevolutionary miracles, there is, in reality, no rational basis for such belief. It is utter fantasy. Coded language structures are non-material in nature and absolutely require a non-material explanation. As a Christian who is also a professional scientist, I exult in the reality that in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth. May he forever be praised. End of quote. Two additional scientists from the book in six days follow with their statements of confidence in the accuracy of the word of God. Nancy M. Darrell, Botany. Dr. Darrell is a speech therapist at the Bolton Community Healthcare Trust in the United Kingdom, she holds a B.S. with first-class honors in agriculture botany from the University of Wales, a Ph.D. in botany from the University of Wales, Avery Stith, and an M.S. in speech and language pathology and therapy from the University of London. For 14 years, Dr. Darrell worked with the Area of Environmental Research at the National Power Technology Environmental Center at Leatherhead, studying the environmental impact of electricity generation and, in particular, the physiological effects of gaseous air pollutants on agriculture crops and trees. Dr. Darrell writes, 
The basis of my faith is the inerrancy of the biblical account, and this provides my starting point in understanding the scientific evidence, my paradigm, my uh, presuppositions, if you wish. A short time scale is eminently possible for a world originated by an intelligent designer, although it is not necessarily required. What is no longer needed are the long periods of time to try to explain the origin of chance improvements. Reasoning from the scientific observations and faith in the Bible, I conclude that creation was the result of an intelligent designer entirely possible within the short period of six days. End of quote. Again from six days. Edward A. Boudreau, Theoretical Chemistry. Professor Boudreau is Professor Emeritus of Chemistry at the University of New Orleans, Louisiana. He holds a B.S. in Chemistry from Lola University, an M.S. in Chemistry, and a Ph.D. in Chemistry from Tulane University. Professor Boudreau has spent 29 years in graduate education and research in the area of theoretical and inorganic chemistry and chemical physics, and is the author or co-author of four technical books in the area of inorganic chemistry, as well as numerous scientific papers in peer-reviewed journals and textbooks. Professor Boudreaux writes, Finally, I am forced to conclude, as reason dictates, that if the Bible is truly the Word of God, as I am convinced that it is, then it must be accurate in every detail, including the account of creation in six literal days. Science tells me that evolution is certainly not scientific, while creation is not in disagreement with what is truly scientific. Hence, creation is the most acceptable account of origins. Since creation requires a supernatural, omnipotent creator, and the Bible is the only convincing source of who this creator God actually is, then the biblical account of creation must be accurate in every detail, including six 24-hour days for completion from beginning to end. End of quote. God's word is true and righteous altogether, a place to build a life that will last forever. God said, Exodus 20, verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. God said, Genesis 1.31, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. God said, Psalms 19.9, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Man said, according to evolutionary biologist Ernst Mayer, no educated person any longer questions the validity of the so-called theory of evolution, which we now know to be a simple fact. Now you have the record.